for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Brian Peacock of the Locked On 49er podcast and the Peacock and Williamson podcast about some of the 49ers draft selections from a few weeks ago. Also, we can dive into the Debo Samuel situation, the likelihood that he'll be back, and whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo will be on the roster when the season gets going in week one. All things we'll discuss with Brian Peacock, who joins me next. Today is Monday. May 23rd. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Brian Peacock. He hosts the Lockdown 49ers podcast and the Peacock and Williamson podcast. Always fun to catch up with Brian and talk some 49er football. What's going on, Peacock? How are you, man? I'm doing well, enjoying the offseason, man. There, it, it never rests in the NFL. There's always a storyline. You got the draft, you got the schedule drop. There's reports about the quarterbacks. And so uh, I, I love it, man, doing the daily thing ar- around the NFL. It never sleeps. Now, maybe this this just has to do with modern media or with there being an NFL network that's on 365 days a year, despite there being 19 weeks of regular season football in any given calendar season. Now 19, used to be 18, right? Does it feel like there's more action in the offseason? I mean, the NFL obviously has honed this thing in where every single event is an event. There's the schedule release. There's the NFL draft. There's getting ready for, for minicamp. And you've got uh, the free agent period and all the trades go down. And, and all that stuff happens, obviously, right when the, uh, the offseason starts. But does it seem now? like the offseason is more eventful than it's ever been i feel like it is yeah and it's it's more covered there's more people covering it like you know us on the lockdown podcast network doing the daily podcasts about it and there's a lot more analysts and really smart people breaking things down and there's so you can get so intricate with the nfl you know you can take it to the most minute detail of plays and schemes and x's and o's and an analysis. So that's what makes it a lot of fun. And yeah, the league is really good at dropping all the storylines and having the big events that they cover everything. And then the teams do you a solid when you're covering the league. Cause you got stuff like looming suspensions for quarterbacks and, you know, trades that are happening all throughout the off season and, and a lot of intrigue, even in June, which is the dead season. Normally it's, it's even easier than ever before to do a podcast every day in June, which uh, when I first started doing locked on 49ers, David Locke, he's the play-by-play voice for the uh, the Utah Jazz, and he founded the thing. And he's like, "Hey, do you want to do a 49ers podcast every day?" And he's like, "Sure." And he's like, "Yeah." Although even in June, he's like, "Okay, let's go." <laughs> I didn't know June. it was going to be possible, but it, it's easier than I thought. Major League Baseball All Star Game and 49ers uh, off season talk is what you're getting uh, when you roll into the summertime. I wonder about this too, with the way the league has evolved, with how like draft picks are managed now. And I'll ask you about a, a few of the 49ers draft picks in just a second here. But like the LA Rams have not made a first round draft selection in the Sean McVay era, right? They've sort of looked at these as expendable pieces. Like maybe the league values these higher than we value them, as as evidenced by uh, uh, the way they sort of mocked and laughed at the the New England Patriots using their draft pick to go and, and get a potential third rounder uh, at the end of the first round. I'm wondering if the 49ers are using the draft picks. Now, obviously, they traded to, to go make a selection to Trey Lance, so that sort of hinders the criticism of what happens with your next couple of first round picks. I wonder, though, if the 49ers could be using them wiser is kind of what I'm getting at here. Is there is there a more strategic way for roster building because they have so many expensive players on the roster that they could be using the draft picks differently? I think you could argue that they could be using them differently. And I think one of the you know reasons that they felt okay about spending three first round picks on a quarterback is because how important that was. And they were probably looking at Deshaun Watson before everything happened with him last offseason and and looking at how much it costs to get a great quarterback. You almost can't overpay if you hit on that quarterback. So I think that was the thought in spending that on a potential superstar quarterback in Trey Lance, which I'm sure they still hope they have, and we'll see him on the field a lot more in 2022. But even with the Rams not spending those first round picks, 
when they did spend those picks in trade, they were getting high impact positions and players, defensive linemen, cornerbacks, quarterbacks. And so they have spent their first round picks on the positions that you need to spend high picks on. They've just done it with players who they already knew were good instead of, you know, flipping a coin on whether or not they were going to hit on, on a young player or on a rookie. And then they've also played, and this kind of goes underreported with what the Rams are doing is they've really played the comp pick game well and let players walk and they've drafted a lot of players. They just haven't been first round players and they had a comp pick this year in the third round. And so getting those compensatory selections, having a lot of draft picks, throwing a lot of darts at the dartboard in the mid to late rounds to try to build the depth around the stars in that true stars and scrubs form. And I appreciate it because I play a lot of fantasy sports too. And I always go the, the stars and scrubs route. So I appreciate an, an NFL team <laughs> using that strategy. Yeah. yeah. Sort of throwing darts uh, any given week at your flex position or trying to find that, uh, that second tier tight end that might catch two touchdowns in a game and win you a week. You mentioned the quarterback. And I think this off season, there's no way anybody could have predicted the 49ers, especially about what the quarterback movement was going to look like this off season. Russell Wilson traded Aaron Rodgers comes back. Tom Brady retires, unretires Carson Wentz traded back to back off seasons. Now going up to the Washington commanders. So it's all about the quarterback. I, I can't really blame the Niners for how they've gone about the Jimmy situation because the surgery was a factor and we didn't really all know that was going to go down. I was under the impression in the NFC championship that the thumb was a bigger issue than the shoulder. Then he has the shoulder surgery and he's not throwing until July. It's all about the quarterback. Would you be surprised if Jimmy Garoppolo was on the roster week one or, or are we beyond that now? Does it sort of seem like that's the foregone conclusion until he gets healthy and proves that he can help a team? I think I would be pretty shocked if Jimmy Garoppolo is on the roster, especially at his current dollar amount. If he did go to training camp with the 49ers, which I still don't think necessarily is going to happen. I think there's potential for some movement, whether he's released or potentially traded, you know, June, July, once he's able to be cleared and throwing and, and we'll see what happens with other teams and, and they could bring him to camp, but they're definitely not going to bring him onto the roster for $25 million, especially to be a backup. Now, if he goes in and gets to training camp and wins the job against Trey Lance, then, you know, and if he's really the best guy, then you have to have a different conversation because clearly that wasn't the right pick to bring in Trey Lance, you know, and spend all those picks if he's a guy that can't beat out Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think that's necessarily what's going to happen. And I know I've seen a lot of reports about, oh man, the 49ers are holding on to Jimmy Garoppolo because they don't trust Trey Lance and he's going to be the starter in week one. He was gone. They had those trade conversations. He was gone if the surgery didn't pop up. So the plan has always been Trey Lance. And I think the plan continues to be Trey Lance. I don't expect to see Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster. I think he will be somewhere. And we are seeing an unprecedented surplus of quarterbacks really for the first time ever in NFL history. But even Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo are still, you know, quarterback 15 to 25 or 30 in the league. That's hugely valuable. And they're still better than current teams starting quarterbacks. You know, looking at Seattle, looking at Carolina, New York Giants. There's multiple teams where Jimmy Garoppolo is an upgrade. I still think there's potential for movement and we'll see what those teams end up doing or if some of those teams are in, in semi-tank mode and don't really care and don't want to, you know, an upgrade from three or four wins to six or seven or eight wins because it doesn't really help them in the long run. So I think, yeah, it's, it's so many different things that happen with the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo, the injury being the biggest one, but then just the surplus of quarterbacks with last year's five first rounders and guys hanging on into their mid forties playing quarterback at a high level. Still, it's just, you know, there hasn't been as much turnover in the NFL at quarterback in recent years, and we've never really seen anything like it.
Yeah, and, and then there's the element of that where I, I'm not buying that that narrative either that the Niners are holding on to him because they're worried about Trey Lance. Because I'm one, it's it's just not true. They tried to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, and then the surgery popped up, and, and obviously offers that were either on the table or were not just kind of vanished and and went away. Uh, the other part of that is when you want to develop Trey Lance, you don't want him looking over his shoulder every week thinking, "Oh boy, if I throw two picks here, Jimmy Garoppolo's coming in." You don't want to have that noise like we had with Jimmy all season long. Then there's the other awkward part of it, which I would equate it to like Jimmy at the end of the the season did his sort of exit press conference and thanked the media and thanked the team and said goodbye. That's sort of like when you wave goodbye to somebody and then you walk the same direction. Like you say, you say bye and then, then you walk next to him for the next block and a half. You're like, it's just weird now. I got to speed up. So I'm not next to him. Uh, in terms of, of the defensive side of the ball, which is also all about the quarterback. Can you get to the quarterback? Can you force him out of the pocket? Can you make him uncomfortable? The Niners went defensive line again. What do you think of the Drake Jackson pick, man? Uh, what, what did you think of the direction they went in the draft early on and then where they ended up uh, with actually a running back? Uh, uh, early on in the draft, too, which a little bit of a surprise. So uh, why don't you get into a little bit of the draft with me and tell me what you thought of, uh, of the Niners' moves about, a, what was it, three weeks, month ago, something like that? Yeah, some picks I liked, some picks I didn't like. And I love the Drake Jackson selection. You know, keep a strength the strength. And the 49ers haven't had that flexible speed edge rusher that has that type of talent since, you know, a healthy D Ford in 2019. So Drake Jackson, what he can bring the 49ers off the edge and to get him at pick 61, I think was huge value. Even if he's just a rotational rusher, I compare him to Harold Landry from Tennessee Titans a couple of years ago. And you look back and he was a second round pick that probably should have been a first round pick. And he has that unbelievable flexibility that you just can't teach. And Drake Jackson has that and that speed off the edge, but he's also got a little bit more length. He's a little bigger and he's got the body type to be in every down end. And I think it might take some time for him to get his body right. And maybe that'll be what his rookie year is all about for Drake Jackson, but he could be an absolute stud across from Nick Bosa and could be by far the best guy they've had rushing the quarterback across from Bosa since, um, since D Ford's prime. But then I, you know, I just don't get the running back pick. We're talking about the 93rd overall pick, Tyreon Davis Price out yeah. of uh, out of LSU. I, it's weird because they did take uh, who they uh, Trace uh, uh, Sermon last Sherman, year. Yeah. The guy they took uh, out of Ohio State, right? Uh, and obviously he gets hurt on like his first carry of the season. He goes down with an injury, and he fumbled to add insult to injury, literally add insult uh, to injury. And then uh, we didn't see a whole lot of him because of the injuries, and I think there was probably some trust issues there. And then Elijah Mitchell was so good. It just seems to me like running backs, and Kyle Shanahan has proven this, and Mike Shanahan proved this. Running backs are kind of like point guards in the NBA. If you need one to fill a void or you need some depth on the roster, you can always go find one. Jermichael Hasty was an undrafted free agent a couple of years ago. So I, I sort of questioned this also. Then there was the element of, is Debo Samuel going to be back? Did they need another dynamic in the running game? What was your take on this and why didn't you like it? I didn't like it where he was taken and it looks like a committee back. If you're going to take a running back in the third round, you better think he's going to be just the, the true stud every down player. And he, he doesn't give you a lot of value in the passing game. He's, he's an okay pass protector, but he's not much of a receiver. He's not a dynamic threat on the outside. He doesn't win in the way that Kyle Shanahan backs have won in the past with that speed and that wide zone. He's more of an inside runner, you know, 220 plus pounds is 30 pounds. And so, and we just saw it last year with Trey Sermon in the third round. And Sermon wasn't even that bad. He was over four yards per carry and got into the doghouse for a certain reason. Maybe didn't hit the hole as quickly as they wanted him to, but it's pretty amazing looking at the Shanahan Lynch era and the running backs they've spent resources on. Sermon was a third rounder. They spent money on Jarek McKinnon. They traded up to draft Joe Williams in 2017, never took a snap for the 49ers. Yet all the good players have been six rounders and undrafted free agents. And the guy that was just a special teamers, a holdover from 
the Chip Kelly era has been the most dynamic running back in Kyle Shanahan's offense in Raheem Mostert. So I think they are the poster child for why you don't need to draft a third round running back yet. They did it two years in a row. And it's, it's not even about Ty Davis price who could be a nice player, but he looks like a, you know, a small piece of the pie rotational short yardage type of running back and how much of, you know, power scheme inside zone are they going to run that would really benefit a runner like that? Because that hasn't been what they've done. But when you look at last year's draft and Aaron Banks, who was someone who I didn't think fit, they got a bigger running back in round three. They drafted multiple guards and multiple running backs and a couple corners. And then what they do this year, they come back and do another third round running back, two more guards, two more corners. More corners. So yep. did they hate last year's draft class? Or are they trying to force <laughs> a square peg into a round hole and be more of a power oriented run game? Uh, it feels like that's what they want to do, but I don't know if their moves in April are really coinciding to what the team does best on the field in September through January. So we'll see. And maybe in the Trey Lance era, that's the idea that you're going to see a lot more inside running a lot more, you know, power of running inside zone type stuff. And, and in that case, maybe it's a better pick, but to me, it's just, you know, the, the 49ers are the team that has proven more than anybody that you don't need to be spending that many resources on the running back position. Well, and the other part of this is, as we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, they've got a bunch of guys who at one point or another, when they signed their contract for like 10 days or two weeks or a whole season, were the highest paid guy at their position, right? You had it with George Kittle. You had it with, I think, is Trent Williams still the highest paid left tackle? Maybe it's passed now. I think it gets surpassed almost every year. Uh, we had it with uh, with Fred Warner at middle linebacker. Uh, is there somebody I'm missing that, that's one of the highest paid guys in the league at his position? George, I said Kittle. I said Kittle Warner. Trent Williams. Trent Williams. Somebody else I'm missing out there. Anyway, if you've got three guys on your roster, Bosa, that's the other one that's coming. Bosa will be, and Garoppolo was. And so you've got guys at every, at, at all your key positions almost, and Debo Samuel was sort of looking to become that guy. So maybe it's about sort of keeping keeping salary down, staying under the cap because it didn't go up to the number they were expecting it to because of what happened with COVID in 2020. So maybe that all comes into play. Last thing for you before we go, we spent all this time and did not talk much about Debo Samuel. It's all speculation at this point. I'm of the belief that had he tried to pull what he pulled maybe a month before he did it he might have been moved on draft day I think he probably played his hand a little bit too early probably should have maybe tried to do that earlier but he saw all these contracts getting handed out and whoever was telling him to do it whether it's the agent whether he was really unhappy who knows my expectation is that he will be there because of what it means for his unrestricted free agent status after this year and I think he would not like to pay $40,000 a day in in fines uh, with his four million dollar contract this year what's your take on just the latest on or lack of there being a latest on Debo Samuel I think it's pretty clear that his agent and we saw with Hollywood Brown, we saw with AJ Brown, there was a, a playbook and Debo used the same playbook. Didn't work for him with his team. It worked for the other guys with their teams. And uh, we'll see what Debo ends up getting paid, but they, they made their leverage play, you know, try to essentially, if you're, if you want to get paid and you're not a free agent, what's the way that you can make yourself a free agent early. That's a, that make the team that, currently has your rights allow you to search for your own trade now you can talk to multiple teams now you're essentially a free agent and you're talking to multiple teams and you're getting a bidding war going so i can't fault them for trying to do what they're doing and we've seen it all calm down and i think debo knows and i think his agent knows it's like well we tried it didn't work we got to talk with the 49ers now this summer and i think they're going to get a deal done i think it benefits both sides debo doesn't want to go through another season and, and have that hanging over him where, where he could potentially get hurt and so the 49ers still have a lot of leverage there and he doesn't want to get fined every day doesn't show up in training camp. So I'm sure they'll get a deal done and maybe it'll be a little bit less than what AG Brown got. Maybe it'll be right on, but you kind of know what he's going to get. And some of the deals that are being 
signed aren't really even worth the money that they're being signed for. And, and AJ Brown's got a, a 30 something million dollar year at the end of his deal. Will he ever see that? If he doesn't, then he's, it's actually a $21 million contract per year instead of 25. And so you can give Debo a $40 million year in year five at the end of his contract. But if you're the 49ers, you probably want to do a deal that makes it so you don't have to cut him at the end. So you can actually resign him again and give him his third contract with the team. So I think that's part of it too. And you can make it look like $25 million a year and actually be paying him a lot less. And the 49ers can absolutely get that done. So I don't think it's really going to be a problem and Debo's going to get signed and they tried their leverage play and it didn't work. And then when you, when you talk about the running back draft pick and the Debo thing, I think that's almost a little too much like, galaxy brain and talking yourself into something because it's like, okay, well, Debo's value is he's a wide receiver and a team trots out a cornerback because he's on the field. Then all of a sudden you motion him into the backfield. Now he's a running back. Now you've got a numbers advantage against the defense you're playing against. And if you just have a running back play running back, that has no bearing on what the 49ers were doing with Debo. And I understand you want to, you have a, a bunch of healthy running backs, but that would also to me say, let's draft them later because we don't want to spend picks premium picks on running backs because they get hurt so often and, and you're, it's the opportunity cost of drafting a player at another position that's harder to find later. So the whole like Ty Davis price pick is about Debo doesn't really make sense because it's just a running back playing a running back. It's like that's what they've done since, since the beginning of time with the NFL, <laughs> you know, with football is the running back plays running back. That has no impact to me on on the Debo Samuel stuff. But yeah, I think Debo is going to sign. He might run the ball a little bit less, but clearly the 49ers drafted a bunch of guards the last couple of years, drafted a bunch of running backs the last couple of years. The way that I think they're going to incubate their young quarterback and help him out is, is run the heck out of the ball. And you know, Kyle Shanahan already likes to run the ball. So uh, expect the 49ers to lead the league in rushing. Boy, great point there about the uh, Tyron Davis price pick there, uh, how it relates to, to Debo Samuel or lack thereof. That's a, that's a good breakdown on that. Yeah, the uh, you talk about how do you get a new contract if you're under contract or you want to be a free agent. I think my favorite one, and, and he, he obviously wasn't a free agent, but it was the uh, when Jalen Ramsey demanded the trade from Jack, from they were Saxonville, they were like in the AFC Championship, and then they're firing coaches, and he's like, I want out of here. And uh, do you remember he, he uh, said he had an injured back, which is my favorite thing guys say, because there's no way to confirm it. You can be like, yeah, maybe he has a bulging disc, or they take a look at it, and you're like, yeah, no, it just isn't working. Then they trade him, and he played that week for the Rams. Like, it was the epitome of using your sick days before you quit your job. He, like, went out and, and took some time off before he did it. So, Peacock, always fun catching up, man. We'll keep uh, listening to you on the Locked On 49er podcast and, of course, the Peacock and Williamson podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, we'll catch up with you again probably around the time uh, preseason gets going, man. Appreciate it, Copes. Always nice chatting with you anytime. Great stuff from Brian Peacock, and he's right, man. It's funny. Even into June, we're talking on May 22nd today. We're talking uh, about 49er football following the draft, still wondering whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get traded. It's it's a crazy off-season whirlwind in the NFL, and they've made it an event. Every single thing they do is an event, uh, including the schedule release, which we just got about a week and a half ago. So uh, we didn't even get a chance to get into that. I'll tell you the one game I've been looking at. Avoid the 49ers on betting odds on New Year's Day in Vegas. I've been wondering when the Niners are going to fly out to Vegas for that game. Kyle Shanahan would probably like to fly out early that morning and then just come back the same night so that his guys don't get a New Year's Eve in Vegas. But we'll talk more about the schedule as we get closer to the start of the season. Thank you to Brian Peacock. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll keep bringing you the top stories in Bay Area sports. The Giants are in action again this week, of course, after a weekend series against the San Diego Padres. The Mets come to town, and then the Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks continue their trek through the Western Conference Final. All stuff we can talk about in the days ahead. Until Wednesday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.